Well, good morning. It is great to see everyone here at our Maryville location. So excited for all those connecting and serving at our Bearden location. And of course, all those watching online. Uh, Today's gonna be a fantastic uh, day. It already has been. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Anybody ever see that movie? Some people, all right, lots of people in here. Uh, It's a comedy and so they don't make those anymore, but... um, they, uh, the story is of these backwoods like hillbilly guys, there's three of them, and they escape from prison and they're in search of the treasure, right? And uh, one, one part of the story as they are walking through the woods, they come across a baptism service where all these people are getting baptized in the river. And uh, one of the characters, Delmar, he gets convicted of his criminal activity and he decides that he is going to go get baptized. So he sprints and runs into the river and the preacher baptizes him. And when he comes up out of the water, he yells to his buddies, the preacher said that all my sins is washed away. <laughs> Even that Piggly Wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. <laughs> and uh, he, he goes on to say, now neither God nor man has nothing on me no more. Come on in boys, the water is fine. <laughs> and I thought, what better title for a sermon series on baptism than the water is fine because The water is fine. Now, the question that I want us to wrestle with is why is the water of baptism so fine? Why is it good? Why do we do it? What is the significance of it? And that's what I wanna talk about today and next Sunday. For many people though, baptism is like this really emotional thing because they they have so many emotional ties to what their parents or their grandparents taught them about baptism or they were christened or they were sprinkled or something of that nature happens. And so uh, anytime you, you, you begin to press them on maybe what their beliefs or what they were taught really are, then sometimes the emotion comes out. There, there have been a lot of debates and a lot of arguments over baptism in church history. Um, in fact, it's one of the most debated things uh, in uh, church life over uh, the years. And some people think that infants should be baptized. Some people sprinkle, you know, babies. Uh, some people believe uh, that baptism is required in order to be saved. And so there's a, a lot of different beliefs. Uh, the Baptist faith, our belief here at Foothills Church is that baptism is an outward symbol of an inward commitment. We do not believe that baptism saves you. The scripture is clear. Faith alone is what saves a person and allows their sins to be forgiven and allows them to have the gift of heaven. We believe it is the first step of obedience when we come to faith in Christ, and that is to follow the Lord in baptism. And so um, having said that, I just wanna encourage you to, to relax a little bit if your experience is different. Uh, what we wanna do as we uh, dive into this is, is we wanna see what the Bible says. Right? That's the best question you could ever ask, no matter what situation you're facing, no matter what struggle that you might be going through. And when it comes to this issue, we wanna look and we wanna see what does the Bible say about it. Um, I don't wanna disparage or uh, shame anybody if they were baptized as an infant or if you christened your baby when they were little. Um, all of those experiences um, are in the past. They were maybe special to you, but as we look and we think about moving forward in our faith, we would just wanna turn to the word of God. We believe 
that baptism here at FC is an essential belief. So this is one of those things that we don't argue about. We see it clearly in the scripture. There are a lot of secondary issues in the world and in the church that we could have a differences of opinion about and we can still have fellowship and still partner together as a church. But baptism is one of those essential beliefs. And so my goal today and next week is is, is just to explain what the Bible says about baptism and why it is in fact important. We believe that the Bible is the word of God, the inspired word of God, written by men, supernaturally inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what it says is really the only thing we care about. We wanna follow it as clearly as we possibly can. So let me start with the first question today. I wanna ask three questions. The first one is this, why would anybody get baptized? Some of you were raised in church and you've been around religion for a while. And so for you, you've seen it done. And so baptism is just kind of a normal thing. And maybe you came to faith at some point as a child or a teenager and, and uh, the pastor said to get baptized or your parents said, this is what you do. And so you did it, but you never really thought through the significance of what was happening. Um, I hope this series helped. For some of you, you're new to church and you're new to Christianity. And so, you know, you look at baptism and you're like, yeah, I always wondered why y'all did that. That's kind of weird. Like, why do you get in the water and why is that a thing? Well, today we wanna talk about why it's actually a thing. And the first thing that uh, we're gonna look at is Jesus. And so if you wanna take some notes down, why would anybody get baptized? The first reason is that Jesus modeled and he commanded baptism. So he modeled it. So Jesus was around 30 years old when his ministry officially started. And, and of all the different ways that he could have started his ministry with, he decided to start it with baptism. In fact, the scripture says this in Mark chapter one. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, Immediately he saw that the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, if you've watched any movies with Jesus and his baptism, you actually saw a dove land on his shoulder. That is not what is happening. Keyword here, like, okay? So it was like something like that, okay? So that's a side note. The point I wanna make is that Jesus started his ministry with being baptized. Right, so his earthly ministry began with baptism. And what's also interesting to note is that his earthly ministry right before he ascended into heaven actually ended with baptism. Because he says in Matthew 28, this is the last thing that he said to his disciples, we call this the Great Commission. He said to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's interesting that Jesus started his ministry with baptism, and then he ended his earthly ministry with telling us to go baptize new believers. So Jesus commanded it, and he actually modeled it to us himself. Now, secondly here, new Christians were always baptized in the New Testament. You never see an instance in the book of Acts where someone comes to faith in Jesus and then waits until their Aunt Flossie can come to the next worship service. Right? You never see someone saying, well, I need to pray about it. Well, I don't have the right clothes. Well, I'm not really sure. Every instance you see in the New Testament, when people come to faith in Christ, they are actually baptized on that day. 
Uh, there's a story in Acts chapter eight. There's a man by the name of Philip and he is sharing the gospel with an official uh, from the government uh, from Ethiopia and they're in a chariot and they are moving down the, 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 the trail here and Philip is sharing the gospel with them. He's preaching from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, talking about the Messiah. He shares the gospel with him. And as they're having a conversation, the man decides to actually give his life to Christ. And so he commits himself to Christ. And as they are, as they are being pulled in the chariot, it says this, he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and baptized him. So essentially as they're traveling down the road here, they see some water and the man says, why, why should I wait? Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And he commands the chariot to stand still. And he was immediately baptized in that moment. So that's just one example. But time and time again in the New Testament, you see that people are getting baptized immediately when they come to faith. So Jesus modeled it and Jesus is also commanding it. And then in the New Testament, we see this happen every single time. Now, Thirdly, baptism publicly identifies you as a follower of Christ. Why would you get baptized? Well, you would do it because it publicly identifies you as a follower of Christ. So this is your public demonstration. This is you publicly saying, I follow Jesus. Nobody cares what you post on social media. Jesus cares about what you do in the waters of baptism. He wants you to publicly say, I love Christ, I've committed my life to Christ, and I am following Christ in baptism. Now, baptisms do not mean that you are never gonna sin again. Right? That's not what you're saying. You're gonna sin, you're gonna continue to struggle with sin. But what it does mean is that you, you know that Jesus says that if you love me, you will keep my commands. And so he commands us to be baptized. And so we, we love him, we wanna honor him, and we wanna do what he has commanded us to do. So with no shame, we say, I'm going public with my faith, and we go into the waters of baptism. It also is saying here that as we are publicly demonstrating this, right, we're publicly saying that my sins have been forgiven. Right? This is a demonstration of the gospel. My sins have been forgiven. Um, my old life has been buried. God has removed my guilt. He has washed, or washed, however you wanna say it, your sin away. That's so why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're not saying that you're never gonna sin. You're not saying that you're gonna be perfect. But what you are saying is that you are symbolizing publicly what God has done inwardly inside your soul. So this is why we would be baptized. Now, the second question is, what does baptism mean? If it's so important, if Jesus did it, if Jesus commanded it, then it's important that we know what it actually means. And so when we look to the word of God, we see that first and foremost, it means that baptisms were done by immersion. That means you go under the water. And we know this for several reasons, but one of them is that the actual Greek word uh, for baptism is the word baptizo. And this was not a religious word at the time that the, the, the New Testament writers were, were writing the scripture, right? It wasn't a religious term at all. In fact, uh, ancient Greek texts used the word baptism or baptizo to refer to a ship that was sunk under the water, 
right? And so it just simply means to be immersed, to sink, to go under water. And so that's the first way that we would see and say that, okay, baptism is actually going underwater. It's not being sprinkled or poured over. It's physically going under the water. A few other scriptures that we see, again, in Mark 5, John was baptizing in the Jordan River. I have been to the Jordan River. It is not a Colorado type river. It is not even a Tennessee type river. It is more like a large creek. If you've ever been in Townsend and that uh, little river or little creek that runs alongside, it's deeper than that, but it's about as wide as that. And uh, when I got into it, it definitely in parts was over my head. It was deep enough to baptize six, four, you know, 200 and none of your business, but it was in the Jordan River, right? Showing us that, okay, you go in to go under the water and not to be splashed with the water. Mark 1.10, when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. So again, symbolizing and showing us that to come up out of the water means that you have to be under the water. And then finally, another piece of this is in John 3.23, which says in reference to John the Baptist that he was baptizing at Anon near Salem. This was an area because there was much water there. Now, if you're just splashing people with water, you don't need much water. But when you're actually physically in water and you're going underwater, you need much. And so these are just several examples of why we would say that yes, because of what the actual word means, that in, in, in the examples that we see over and over again in scripture, that it clearly is, is teaching us that baptism is by immersion. Now, secondly, what does it mean? Well, baptize, baptism by immersion symbolizes death, burial, and resurrection, right? The, the symbolism of baptism is rich. And so when we, when we see and look to scripture, we see that it is yes, a symbol and yes, it is very rich and it is very theologically deep. Uh, in Romans chapter six, we see the text where Paul says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so this teaches us that when we go under the water, it is a picture of death, right? It's a picture of going into a grave. And when we are, are buried in that grave, we come up out of the water, being a picture of Jesus and his glorious resurrection. And it is a picture of us walking now in newness of life. Right, So we are lowered into the water and it's like the burial of Christ. We're raised up out of the water and it's like the resurrection of Christ. And each of us raised into this new forgiven life in Christ. And so the symbolism obviously makes sense when we understand baptism by immersion. It doesn't make sense when you think about it as sprinkling or baptizing babies or pouring water on a baby. It just doesn't make logical sense. It's a symbol and it's the reality that Jesus has given us the power over sin. We have died to sin, being plunged in the water. It, it covers us completely, right? The waters completely cover us. 
symbolizing that he is washing away our sin and coming up out of the water is this picture of this newness in life being raised from the grave. And because he is alive, you and I can experience life now. And so sprinkling, pouring water on someone just loses that symbolism and theological richness. And so let's recap. Jesus uh, said that baptism is a public declaration of our faith and it symbolizes the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And so baptism is, is a symbol and because it's a symbol of this burial and resurrection and, and that he rose again, therefore, here's the next thing. The order matters. The order matters. What I mean is when you put your faith in Christ, the next step is to symbolize the faith that you just declared in Christ. Some people get baptized as kids. Some people get, got sprinkled as kids. But because it's a symbol of the old you dying and the new you being raised to newness in life, if you were baptized before your faith in Christ, then that order is out of order, right? Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, when I was a kid at seven years old, I, I was raised in a Baptist church. My dad was uh, a pastor. He gives an invitation. And on that Sunday morning, I walked down the aisle and I told him I wanted to accept Jesus. And he prayed with me. And, and the very next week I was baptized and I got a new Bible and I got a lot of attention and it was fantastic. The backstory to that story is that two weeks earlier, my best friend Drew walked that aisle and he got attention and he got new stuff and he got to go in that pool up there, which was really cool. And everybody thought he was so hot and so amazing. And so when I look back on that experience, I start to remember and I started to realize that my motivation for that day was just to follow him. It was just to kind of get what he was getting. And I, I didn't really understand what I was doing at that time. And so later in my life, about six, at 16 years old, uh, there was a, a revival at our church and Bill Sturm was the pastor who was preaching those messages. And I just remember every night feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, during an invitation of one of those messages, God just truly convicted me. And I realized that I was lost and I realized that I had never genuinely put my faith in Christ. And on that night, I did that and I was baptized the very next night. And so the reason why I'm saying this is because some of you kind of fall into this category. Like for me, I was baptized twice. Is that a bad thing? Is that illegal in the word of God? What if, what if you know, that happens for you? And it's okay to get baptized more than once. The important thing is an understanding and a willingness to be genuine of heart that says, okay, we, we come to faith in Christ first and then a baptism would follow that decision because it symbolizes the change that we have had in our life. So the order does matter. Acts 22 verse 16 says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And so I would say, what are you waiting for? As we continue, uh, we want to ask the final question, right? So the qu final question is who should be baptized, right? We talked about w what it is, talked about the symbolism and the meaning behind it. Now, who should be baptized? And that's a great question. Um, some people and some denominations believe that sal uh, salvation is secured when you're baptized. In other words, you have to be baptized in order to be saved. 
And so I wanna be very clear on this. The Bible rejects that theology. The Bible says very clearly that, that we are saved by faith. It is not of works. It is a gift from God. So uh, getting baptized is considered a work. Giving money to the poor would be considering uh, that work. Serving God in some way would be considered work. And there is no amount of work that any of us could do that would secure our salvation and give us the gift of eternal life as far as the scripture is concerned. So we reject uh, denominations or other people who would say that it is a requirement for salvation. We could not partner together to make disciples with anyone who believe that because that is a clear, uh, important distinction in the scriptures. Now, there are some denominations that would sprinkle or confirm uh, a, a child or a baby. And the reasons why they would do that is they would say, this is not saving them, but this is demonstrating a future faith that they will have. And so that's kind of the motivation. We don't do that here. At FC, we do a parent dedication where we're basically as moms and dads for these babies, we are, we are saying we're gonna do everything we can to dedicate to them to the Lord. We're going to bring moms and families and grandparents and dads and uncles and everybody into the mix here. And together we're gonna to do our best to raise this child in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And we are praying for this child to one day come to faith. That's our mentality. In this mentality though, in those denominations, when they sprinkle or baptize a baby, they're saying this, this is representing a future faith. But we all know if we're parents, we cannot control our kids and we have no idea what decisions they're gonna make. And so it does not make sense to confuse a child uh, and tell them, oh, you're, you're good, you were baptized as a baby when they have never come to a saving faith in their life. And so that's why we would reject that. Now, there are some denominations, Presbyterians, that this uh, um, mainly would believe that baptism is a New Testament version of an Old Testament ritual called circumcision. And so in their minds, when they read this in the New Testament, they're saying that uh, baptism is this new circumcision. And so when we baptize a baby, we're basically saying that this child is now in the covenant of grace and it is representing this future faith and, and God is one day going to save them. But again, what does the Bible say? And I would say nowhere is there anything even remotely clear enough to assume that baptism and circumcision are, or, or that baptism is the new circumcision. So it just does not uh, uh, match up and line up in the word of God. Now, to our Presbyterian friends who might believe that, let me just say, you do not need to cancel your friends who believe that. They do not believe that baptism saves a baby. They think it's representing uh, this, this covenant of grace. So don't go home and unfollow and unfriend all your Presbyterian friends who do this. They, if they love Jesus, they believe that faith is required to come to faith. We may not partner with them in a local church uh, to make disciples, but we can still love and um, be friends with them. One of the ways that they, one of the reasons why they might teach this is in the book of Acts, you see uh, statements like an entire household was baptized. So in Acts 10, Cornelius is saved and it says he and his whole household was baptized. And so people say, well, 
That means that all of his kids, including any infants or babies that were in there, they just baptized them all. But that's a huge assumption. Um, if my entire household was baptized today, it would not include any babies. All my kids are teenagers. And so it's just not a clear uh, evidenced uh, theology to follow in our opinion. Now, the Catholic Church is way different. In the 1500s, there was something called the Reformation that was essentially saying the heresy of the Roman Catholic Church is teaching a host of things that are not biblical. One of them was that baptism actually saves people. And so there were many uh, men who were now reforming the church and now they were standing up and saying scripture alone, faith alone, Christ alone, right? And it's not all these other traditions and all these other things that have to happen in order to go to heaven, including baptism. And so they started to teach that baptism is a symbol. And when they did, the Roman Catholic Church tried to find them and kill them and wipe them out. It did not work. Here we stand today. And so we would differ greatly from a Catholic church that would say that confirmation is saving a baby and that's required to go to heaven. Uh, they believe that it is not just faith alone. They believe faith plus works actually saves you. So back to the original question, who should be baptized? And it's very clear. The scripture says that anyone who believes in Jesus. So anyone that has faith in Jesus should be baptized. We call it believer's baptism. Only believers should be baptized. Babies cannot believe. They can't even confess. They can't repent. They don't know what's going on. Now, what point do they know what's going on? It's different for every kid, right? I think it's different for every kid. And so we, we, if they can clearly articulate the gospel, if they clearly articulate a, a, a faith, then yeah, we would, we would baptize kids at, at you know, whatever age, as long as we feel like they understand clearly. But anyone who believes in Jesus should be baptized. Now, here's, a, here's the scripture where Peter is preaching to thousands of people. And um, when he concludes, this is the end of that sermon, right? He just preached the gospel. The Holy Spirit is about to come. This is the day of Pentecost. And it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now the word cut to the heart just simply means they were convicted of their sin, right? You've been in church and you've heard the guy preaching and you started to sense this conviction or this understanding that, oh my gosh, I need to do this. This is what I need. I, don't, I can't explain it. I feel this pressure. I feel the spirit speaking to me and, and leading me. I'm getting nervous. My, my palms are sweaty. That, that's that those are some examples of what conviction starts to look like, right? And so they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? In other words, what do we do now that we know that Jesus is the Messiah? Now that we know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through him, what do we do? In verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. <clears throat> wow, 3,000 people coming to faith and getting baptized. You need much water to do that, right? And so what are we seeing here? The first thing we're seeing is the word repent. So and the person that should be baptized is the person that has truly repented of their sin. 
And so to repent of your sin just simply means to turn from your sin. So before Christ, we are living our life our way. I'm at the center. It's a very me-centered life. I'm only thinking and focused on myself. When I hear the gospel, when I understand what it means, he is calling me to repent and to do an about face, so to speak, and turn towards him and to now follow him. A lot of people don't do that when they pray a prayer. Sometimes they just want to go to heaven, but they don't change the direction and focus of their life. They don't truly turn from their sins. And so we see the word repent. And then we see the word baptize. So he's saying repent and then be baptized, okay? So then again, the order matters, right? So he's saying repent, be baptized, and he's saying this in the name of Jesus. So when we're baptized, we do this in the name of Jesus. And that is important because there are a lot of religions that use some form of water and some form of baptism, like uh, ritual, in order to you know, remove sins or to teach something. And so when we are baptizing in the name of Jesus, it's a very clear distinction that we are doing this to be a follower of Jesus. And so we see that we are baptized in the name of Jesus. He's saying you, for, you are receiving the forgiveness of your sins when you are doing this and you are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? And so you're not receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit a year later or six months later or when you do 25 jumping jacks in a row or when you throw 20 Hail Marys up or whatever it is. He's saying when you repent, when you're receiving your forgiveness of sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And some churches, and maybe you've experienced some of this, you hear terms like water baptism and spirit baptism. And so, oh, when have you been water baptized? Well, I don't know. Oh, man, that's weird. What other baptism is there? Exactly. For Paul and the New Testament writers, uh, there, there is not multiple baptisms. There is one, right? And when you are receiving forgiveness, when you are repenting of your sin, you are then being baptized in water and you are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit right then and there. The reason why some of these denominations would separate the two is because they believe the spirit baptism happens later. We just believe the New Testament clearly teaches that it all happens on the same day. So clearly, repentance happens, faith happens, confession happens. Now, why confession? In Romans 10, nine, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? And so there is this idea of I'm, I'm repenting, I'm putting my faith in Christ, I'm confessing Jesus is Lord. Last week, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And then we're also seeing that when we do this, we have and, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and then people are baptized and then it all happened on the same day. It all happened on the same day. Now, is it wrong to say, come back next Sunday and get baptized? No, but I think it's important that we take note that it shouldn't happen a year later or 20 years later. Um, when we make this decision, we should immediately uh, follow Jesus's command and get baptized. Now, if you're here today and you say, well, it's actually been 10 years since I gave my life to Christ, I've never been baptized, guess what? You have the opportunity. Next Sunday, we're actually going to baptize. And so you're gonna get that opportunity to take that next step. Now, recently I married a, a buddy from college and um, it reminded me as I was kind of preparing for this a couple weeks ago that, that my uh, seminary professor, Dr. Stein, gave me a really 
helpful illustration when it comes to all of these things that are happening, you know, when we come to faith. Because we see, okay, repentance, faith, confession, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. When did all this happen? What order did it happen? And, 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 and so he said, look, when you go to a traditional uh, marriage, and I have to say traditional marriage because of the day we live in, but you know, when you do this, you have uh, the wedding vows, right? You have then uh, the exchanging of the rings. Then the, the, the pastor will pronounce the couple husband and wife. And then there is the marriage license that has to be signed by the officiant and the, the, the witness. And then there is the sexual consummation. It all happens on the same day, especially that last one. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's okay to laugh in church. Um, so the question I have with all of those components is this, like at what point of the wedding were you officially married? When did it officially take place? Was it when you said the vows? Was it when you exchanged rings? Was it that night? <laughs> when, when was it? And the reality is it, it isn't any one of those events, it's all of the above. They're all happening on the same day. They're all happening in that moment. And so we don't isolate, you know, one thing from another. We don't look at these things and ask, you know, what order did they take place? In the Bible, in the New Testament, we see that faith, repentance, forgiveness of sin, confessing Jesus as Lord are not separated events. They all happened in that conversion experience. And then someone was actually baptized. You don't have to try to figure out, when did I really do this? And when did I really do that? And how about this? And you know, it's, it's all happening when we say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I commit my life to you. So here's my question for you. When was your moment of salvation? When did you finally get it? When did you have that death to life moment where you put your faith and trust in Christ? And then when were you baptized? Have you been baptized? Do you need to be baptized? Uh, today, we've got some homework for everybody, right? And so everybody should have received a card when you walk in. If you don't have it, uh, section leaders, if you guys would, would hop up and help those, just kind of slip your hand up if you didn't get one of these. They've got some pins and, and uh, they've got a card. Even at, at the Bearden location, they've got these ready for you. And, and so at the bottom here, you see a bunch of numbers and that just represents your age, right? So the first thing we want to ask you to do with this homework is just to put an X where your age of salvation was. When was that moment of salvation for you? So just put an X wherever that age was. Now, if you look at this card and you think, well, I'm not sure that I can put that down, I want to encourage you today, stop by the prayer and care room. Right, we've got folks in there that want to encourage you, help you, love on you, and essentially you just walk in there and say, I think I need to give my life to Jesus. I need some help thinking through this. And they'll encourage you and, and give you some, some, some advice on this. Um, now, if the X goes down, now I want you to put a, a, an O for when you were actually baptized. Now, this is where the order kind of comes in place. So some of you might put an X in your 20s when you gave your life to Christ, but your, your O is gonna be somewhere when you were a kid, right? And if that's you, I wanna encourage you next Sunday to come prepared to get baptized. Why should you wait any longer? We've, we've heard it. We're gonna, we're gonna continue to unpack this next Sunday. 
And at the end of the message, I'm gonna give every single one of you an opportunity to get baptized. If you got it out of order, boom, next week is your deal. If you're putting an X down, but you've never been baptized, the next Sunday again is for you. Let's take this step. Let's be obedient to the scriptures. Let's do what Christ is calling us to do. Next Sunday is gonna be a great, great Sunday. I hope you'll be here. I hope you'll be excited. Bring a friend as we continue to talk through, really, what does the Bible say about baptism is why is the water so fine? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we love you for your truth and your word is clear. And so as we look at it today, God, we know and we sense that, okay, it's sometimes easy to understand, but oftentimes the hard part is when we actually take that step to follow you. And so some in the room, God, are struggling with that. There's some folks in, in our Bearden location that are struggling with the order. They're struggling with that commitment. And God, I pray that you would bring clarity and I pray, God, that you would speak truth into their life. May they ask questions. Would you give them curiosity? Would you give them a hunger to know you? And I pray that they would experience a saving knowledge and faith in you. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.